0: and fitness with David Hollywoods in association with the Hearing Consultancy, theHearingConsultancy.ie. Vision's 103.
1: I am feeling very grateful this evening. The weather is obviously ridiculously lovely. People are in good form as a consequence. And I have had an absolute bag full of help on this week's health and fitness show. Very shortly, you'll be brought to the finish line of the Rossnaman. Midlands 103's Shannon Fogarty and Michael Cannon are finding out what it takes to put on a national stage race in cycling in Ireland and what it takes to compete in one. We're going to bring you Aussie rules in Ireland. There's a golfing event in the name of mental health. And Chloe Farrell brings you everything you need to know about vision impaired swimming. Biddle, little loop, do, boop, boop, boop. Uh, I'm obviously off my head with joy Right, uh, let's get into it First on health and fitness This week we're looking at the 2023 ross Naman Ireland's only women's international stage race Six stages, top class Irish and international racers Rolled into the Midlands today And this was the noise and the fun and the spree of it all When they crossed the finish line
2: Bring them home, the riders of Ross-Namon 2023. What a tough day out it's been for all the riders. The Team Bombards have done great work. Mary Wilkinson, who's been to this race before from the United Kingdom, with the leading lights and leading riders on the uh, on the British road racing scene.
1: Yeah, uh, there was uh, certainly loads of excitement and noise. Naturally, we were there to meet the peloton and its organisers. The first voice, aside from mine. Uh, that you're going to hear this evening is that of Elaine Moore who's with Leash County Council. For these events to go well you need absolute commitment from organisers and you need passion. That's what Elaine brought to her work which she details to Midlands 103's Shannon Fogarty.
3: This is the fourth year of Rastamon coming to Leash and this is the first year though in four years that we've had a town finish. So um, we also wanted to have a climb on the route so that's why we picked Mount Rat at the foot of the Bloom Mountains. So they could climb over the cut and then finish in Mount Rath. How are you thinking today is going so far? So far, so good. I'm quite surprised at the split of three groups in the cyclists. I'd say the climb and the heat on the cut probably separated um, a lot of the cyclists. Um, So I'd say it was tough up there today. And how was it getting all of this prepared and setting all of
4: this up today?
3: The race organisers themselves are a great help and I had great assistance from the staff of Leash Tourism, Leash Sports Partnership and Leash Chamber Alliance. So together we all work together and it's all after falling into place.
4: You got an amazing day for it. It's absolutely spectacular out of 26 degrees. So how do you think the cyclists are faring out there?
3: Amazing. I'd say it's the hottest day of the year. Um, The the race organisers told me this morning that the cyclists were using ice packs this morning before they left. So I'd say that's a first for Ireland and a first for Leash.
4: And what does it mean to have Leash County Council involved in, in like this? It's great
3: for Leash, it's great for the council. It just brings a, uh, a bit of uh, media coverage to the county in general and it showcases what Leash has to offer. It's a great county for cycling. It sh- showcases the sleeve blooms and all the smaller towns around the county.
4: And to have a women's national stage race going through the Midlands, what kind of effect do you hope it has on younger generations?
3: Well, I suppose there's a lot of focus lately on, on trying to encourage women and particularly younger girls to get involved in sport. So I'm hoping that this will go some way towards that. And are you yourself in, into cycling? I am, yeah. I'm actually a member of the triathlon club in Port Leash. Yeah, and I'm actually training for the marathon at the moment as well. So.
4: And how is that going? So far, so good. Yeah, I have a
3: 32k run to do on Sunday. So in this heat, I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs>
4: You'll have ice packs stra- strapped. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah.
3: We're so delighted to welcome Ross Dumont to Leash. And hopefully it's a race that will continue to come to Leash over the next few years.
1: Next, we're going to hear from the PRO of Rosnaman, Declan Quigley, who's been telling Shannon who finished where and before that he talks about what it's like to be involved in a home national stage race.
2: Listen, it's really emotional. It's exciting. It's genuinely a real thrill. I mean, what was great about it was not just the weather, which you can't book, you know. We've had some pretty choice weather over the years, it was stunning weather today, but what was really amazing was the, the crowd. And it was a really big crowd out there, not just at the finish line, but I understand out the road as well, throughout yeah. the 104 kilometer course, were loads of schools came out to cheer, just the, the sense of community. And, and I think everyone gets a real kick out of seeing this big bunch of racing cyclists, and the colourful cavalcade behind them, sweeping past. And speeds, I think, really surprise everyone as well, just how quick they're going at the finish line. You know, it, it, nearly, what, 55, 60 kilometres an hour at the finish line. It's pretty impressive, especially after 104k of racing.
4: Now, who are our overall winners
2: and who came across the line first? Well, so you want the hard question. So, (laughs) uh, it was a pretty amazing performance by Emma Teffers from the United Kingdom. She won the stage. She was second on the first day, so she's gone one better and she's pretty consistent. And uh, third across the line was, well, she she was second to her was her teammate Monica Greenwood from the UK. And third across the line was Tiffany Keep from South Africa. And Tiffany Keep is now into the overall race lead. So she's got that heading into, into the penultimate day of racing stage four. Oh my god, so
4: have you been speaking to some of them? How are they all feeling after the race? Yeah, they're
2: all really I mean obviously the ones I'm talking to are the ones that won. So they're all thrilled. Cool. Everybody's happy when they're when they're up at the point again, aren't they? Yeah. And funny enough talking to Tiffany Keep, she's from Stellenbosch in South Africa, which is wine country. And, uh, and I said, God, it was it hot out there? And she said, no, are you kidding? This is absolutely normal for her. So she had no problems with this kind of weather. Uh, should have been talking maybe to some of the Irish <laughs> or maybe even the British riders further down the line.
4: And what is it like... Preparing something like this in Mount Rath, to getting this all organised.
2: Yeah, it's a big, uh, it's a big event, and it's. Uh, look, I'd like to pay particular tribute to and Gardeachan. We've had really great local support here on the ground. Elaine Moore in Leash County Council has been really exceptional. James Kelly, uh, also local councillor here, has put his uh, heart and soul into it. Elaine has, done, has worked wonders actually, in getting all the local agencies involved. It is. Uh, almost a sport in itself organizing a bike race it's uh, it's a year-long commitment so we've got a core committee of five that expands to 12 closer to the event and then we've got you know over a hundred here on the race throughout the week trying to put this thing together it's a it's a moving festival it's a little little mini electric picnic that's going somewhere different every day and it's quite a job quite a, but it, there's a great reward at the end of it. And especially when you see as many kids that came out from the local schools, that's our reward, mm. you know. And then the riders say nice things about it and that really, you know, makes us do it again.
4: And do you think now, after some of the young girls seeing these women race today, that it kind of motivates them to get into cycling?
2: See it be it. I mean, it's too easy to say it. It's, it's, it's almost a cliche, but it's so true. The, uh, how inspiring is this? A couple of days ago, Mia Griffin from Kilkenny won the stage. And after the finish she was uh, on the podium signing hurleys would you believe because she used to play camogie and she's well known in that part of the world but the kids there they were seven eight years of age they were looking up to her admiring her her achievements she's on the international stage racing abroad week in week out uh and absolutely for for women's sport in general for cycling specifically this event is, is absolutely key in the calendar and you know it really does lead to wonderful things
1: I want to introduce you to a rider you're going to hear a lot more about in the future. Less than three years ago, Renée van Hout wasn't even cycling. She was doing just about every other sport on the sun. She's now touring the world on two wheels and making an impression. Renée is top of the Young Rider classification for this year's ross She's fifth overall and she'll do plenty more in the future. Our very own Michael Cannon caught up with Renée at the finish line.
5: Today was uh, just uh, flat and then one climb of uh, seven kilometres and there... It got yeah the the speed got up a bit, yeah. um, but I could hang on very well, and um, yeah, quite not easy, but yeah, decent. Yeah, yeah. And then um, in the descent, uh, some riders were uh, riding away, so uh, I was just in the the la- sort of breakaways all mm-hmm. day, and uh, just um, keeping uh, yeah keeping up with the front, and then uh, my sprinter came back after the the climb so then uh we switched plans and uh, we wanted to uh i uh, i did a lead out for her okay. so here in the last 500 meters i uh got to the front with the sprinter in my back in my wheel and then uh, at 200 meters i uh, um yeah she got uh, to the sprint but then it was uh, a bit early so yeah. she got fifth or something um but and, yeah
6: and you came fifth overall was it
5: uh, yeah, general classification. Yes. Okay, very
6: good. And you're, you're from Amsterdam, right?
5: I'm from Amsterdam. Are you living in the Midlands then,
6: or do you come from Amsterdam for this?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just ah, okay. uh, I'm Dutch, so uh, yeah, yeah I I was born there and uh, raised. So yeah.
6: how did you um? How did you find the atmosphere then today? Like around, was there a good crowd around some of the spots and?
5: Yeah, yeah. Ireland's like um, the bunch is very, like, relatively chill. Mm-hmm. Like you can go up to the front very easily, and in Netherlands is way. Way more crowded and stuff, and it's way harder to get to the front. Okay. So, this is quite different. But the bunch is also a bit smaller, like 100 people instead of 150. Mm-hmm. Um, but the race is very well organized and uh, yeah, just very nice. Mm-hmm. I'm just, um, I heard last year in this stage there was like a climb at the finish. So, okay. it's just a shame that like it's today was such a boring stage because it was like one climb in yeah. the middle and then flat all the way and
6: how, how did you find that climb then
5: yeah very nice yeah. but if the finish was up there it would be like a lot more chaos a mm-hmm. lot more um, geological classification yeah. uh, switch, switches uh, uh,
6: today now I'm here and today is one of the one of the hotter days of the year as well how did you find the, the heat today the heat seems, seemed to be a lot today Like.
5: yeah it was fine yeah I, I don't really uh, yeah I do well in the heat so yeah, okay. yeah. very good
6: very good when did you get into cycling then, like what, how uh, long are you cycling for?
5: Yeah, only two and a half years ago actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I started, I played football as a kid. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, a bit of ice skating, a bit of um, acrobatics, like all of the stuff. And, and what, then, what uh, kind of, did you get
6: like a bug then for cycling? Did you get kind of, what, what made you like cycling then?
5: Uh, well, it was actually in the Corona period. Oh. Um, and then uh, we got nature ice in the Netherlands. And nature, like ice skating and uh, cycling, are a bit connected in the Netherlands. Okay. So after the week of nature ice, uh, I was like, okay, I have to be outside more. And then I started cycling on my mother's old bike Mm -hmm. because she does uh, cycling like for ten years or something. So. uh, Yeah, well, you're
6: definitely quite good at it. If you're after coming first in the young persons category, are you going to plan? Do you plan to keep going?
1: Or.
5: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do have ambitions to. Yeah, row further and further. So, uh, yeah.
1: Definitely quite good at it, as Michael Cannon said, in such an understated way. Uh, you pick something up like international professional cycling in two and a half years and you're at that level. Uh, keep an eye and an ear out for Renee Van Hoot from Nord Holland, Team Nord Holland. Uh, she's in fifth in the Ross-Namon. and And that was uh, with great thanks as well to Shannon Fogarty and uh, Michael for going to the finish line in Mountrath uh, for the Ross-Namon Twenty. 23 next, we're playing Aussie Rules in Ireland.
0: Health and fitness with David Hollywood with the Hearing Consultancy. Book a free hearing test at our clinics in Clara, Eden, Derry, Kinnegad, Mullingar, Tullamore, and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help, and more. TheHearingConsultancy.ie.
1: Now, when I describe a sport that involves aerial duels, long-range kicking, supreme accuracy, and athleticism. I think many people's mind will jump to Gaelic Games. Well, um, a distant relative is, of course, uh, Aussie rules. And uh, I'm very glad to say that uh, we're profiling uh, the AFL game on uh, health and fitness this evening. AFL Ireland, the grand final is taking place and it's coming to the Midlands in Mount Melik and Leash. I'm very glad to say uh, that the vice president from AFL Ireland and uh, the team manager for the men's national team has uh, joined us on the programme. Ono Sullivan, how are you keeping this evening?
7: I'm I'm very good. I'm very good. Thanks a million for having us
1: on. Not at all. Um so this obviously is a, a big day in the calendar for uh, participants in AFL Ireland. Anyone who follows it, uh, the grand final. Um, we've got the men and the women's final to look forward to. Uh, talk to us about what kind of um what kind of uh, day is in store for those who might make uh, make it to Mount Melick, GA grounds in Leash. I'm right in saying that's where it is.
7: It is indeed, um, and we're delighted to, to be um, hosted by Mount Medicare again. We were there last year and have fantastic facilities, and they've been very generous to went um, out the field for us. But um, look, it's the pinnacle of, of our premiership seasons. Um, we, we run both grand finals back to back. The women are playing um, at 1 pm, and then the men are playing at 3 pm. And the presentations for the, the best on ground is we play the player of the match. Are the leading goal kickers and the top scorer basically for the season are all presented thereafter on the field. It's a it's a free um, free event, free of charge. There'll be an Aussie barbecue there. Uh, Dingo Dave will be a guy who's been around the league for a while. He's coming over from Dublin to set up his barbecue yeah. and sell his wares. Um, and look, it's just it's just a great fun kind of carnival kind of atmosphere um, on the day. So hopefully we get a bit of sunshine and uh, and a few spectators come down and have a look and. You need some of Ireland's best uh, AFL and AFLW talents, kind of such stuff.
1: It's probably appropriate we're heading to Leash, just in terms of um, recent headlines. Uh, we've seen the likes of. Uh, Zach Tui for years, going great with the uh, Geelong Cats. Uh, but uh, even more recently, Aaron Fitzpatrick and Jane Moore from uh, Leash Ladies Football have uh, managed to uh, pitch tents up in the AFLW. Um, it's great to see such a uh, growing Irish profile in the sport in Australia as well.
7: Oh, it's fantastic. And, I mean, that, that's one of the main reasons we wanted to, to come into the Midlands because like, we have a very strong presence in, in Cork, and in Belfast and Dublin and Galway, we have um, men's and women's teams, university teams all over the country. So trying to get established in around the Midlands is kind of the next footprint we'd like to make. And you, you said it all there, basically, there's players really kind of cutting their wares over in the AFLW, which has only kicked off last weekend. And the AFL uh, men's is coming to the end of their season. they have kind of prelim finals on this weekend and, and grand finals coming up um, on September 30th. So seeing Zach win, win the flag last year and Michael Connors from Kerry in the same room with him in Geelong, there's, um, they're both in double figures. and there's 30-odd uh, Irish women playing in the AFLW and I think there's uh, between 12 and 14 um, Irish men on, on AFL list. So look, I'm always of the opinion that it's, it's a fantastic opportunity for anybody to, the predominantly from GA backgrounds mm. to go over and, and play professionally, you know, and a lot of them do come back, like Ty Kinelli and... and um, uh, Tommy Walsh being case in point, coming back, Kerry Marty Clark, Carcass same with down, coming back, uh, Shields with Cork coming back and winning All Ireland, you know, and and doing very well for the country. So, it's look, it's a fantastic opportunity for any any young man or any young woman to go over and and get paid to play. You know, it's it's an indigenous game in Australia, much like the, the Gaelic games are here. So, more power to them. movie will be, will be my might, you know,
1: yeah, and of course it also gives them the opportunity to act as an ambassador for Ireland over in Australia, which they all do so well. Um, the sport's in a good place, obviously, uh, in terms of Irish representation in Australia. Talk to us about where uh, AFL Ireland is, generally speaking, What, um, uh, how it's going uh, in terms of participation numbers. You say you've kind of had the solid hubs there for a while and you're looking to expand to places like the Midlands.
7: Yeah, so, um, well, AFL Ireland has been, well, it was it was previously called RFLA, so Aussie Rules Football League of Ireland, but it's been around since um, 2000. And so we're just running my like, kind of 23 years. There was a time when we had upwards of eight men's teams in the league. The women's kind of game kicked off maybe around 2010, 2011. And then there was kind of economic downturns and there was COVID and all sorts of things were hampering us at times. But we're quite strong now with. with four established men's teams the four established brilliance teams in what we call our premiership we have a, a tier two competition then we have up and coming teams like in uh, Kerry Kerry Sands have re- recently got going um, we have university teams in Cork and Dublin and Belfast uh, hoping to get uh, more university teams up and going it, it, it's just a great sport I mean the, the participation numbers are going up each year um, what I find about it myself is that there's a place for everybody whether you're in this, and you, you want to try and make national teams who are, who are both quite successful or whether you're interested in the social side of things. We have Aussies who are just looking for a bit of home over here in, in Ireland. or a few Irish people returning, having played over. We have older players, younger players, tall, small. It takes all types. I wouldn't be the tallest, but I love playing.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, there's fellas with uh, rugby background, girls with GA backgrounds, athletics, soccer. It's it just it's kind of a sport for everyone really, you
1: know. In that regard, talk us through what you think makes the sport exciting because obviously it's got this sort of profile that attracts people from multiple different sports and a lot of sports aren't like that. Um it's kind of fast-paced, there's some physicality, there's a lot of skill, athleticism, but like things like determination, doggedness and and, and like there's loads to enjoy about it.
7: There is and like there was a great quote, I don't know if people are aware, but I mean, AFL has played all over the world. And there was a great quote from an American who was interviewed and asked that very question. And he said, In Aussie rules, everybody's a quarterback. But Brilliant. everyone gets on the ball, everyone gets to make decisions. You can make a decision to kick, to run, to hand pass. You can make a decision to block someone, to avoid someone. Everyone gets get a real part to play. And it's, it's just so inclusive the, the whole community around AFL Ireland. The men's and women's play on the same days in the same locations. We have established players who are—I won't be giving any ages away—they won't thank me for it—but there's a very established players around the league. There's brand new players coming in, right road the season, and um, it's, it's just a, a great place to be. As well as the university scene, there's there's uh, opportunities to go play over in the UK and play around Europe. There's opportunities to go over and play in the States, representing your country. It's it's just it's just a great place to be, to be honest.
1: I must remind my daughter that I'm not very old. I'm just very established.
7: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a great way of I, it.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Own. I'm going to stick that one in, in, into the pocket. Um, what about yourself? How did you get into uh, AFL from your perspective?
7: Um, so, funny enough, I was actually, I'm a, I'm a teacher and I was teaching in the Grail Tift and uh, a guy I knew had an Aussie Rose ball in, in the boot of his car. So um, he took it out made a couple of kicks and he mentioned that he played. And I said, so how do you play for living here? He said, there's a team in Cork. So um, I went down, and honestly, I'm not exaggerating. One one session I was hooked, I would have a GA back on the hurling of football, and it's just tickling my fancy. I'd watched it for years on TV, and I, I've been training and playing, and I've ever since, and coaching, and, and everything else. And uh, you can find similar stories with that. almost everybody. They just you try it once, it's something new, something you haven't done before, and there really is something there for everybody. It's, it's just a break, trying to get out of the, the house, and get a bit of fresh air. Maybe you don't want the, the serious side that, that might come with rugby or soccer or GEA and you just want something lighthearted, That's there for you. Or maybe you want the opportunity to go on and play for your country and put on a green jersey. That opportunity is there just as much. You want the social side of things. You want to meet people from different backgrounds, different countries. It, it, it really is. I, I do my best to sell it here, but I, I'd encourage anybody to try it out. If there's um, if there's a theater session or a university session or a club session, Have a look on our website, have a look on our socials, uh, for Ireland, and uh, just go down and try it, and believe me, you'll uh, you'll enjoy
1: it. It's a growing and developing sport, as we've been discussing this evening. Um, That generally means that what you have are people who put in the extra mile in terms of, be it volunteering or trying to help to organise events and that type of thing, and I presume uh, you probably need a degree of financial help, be it through sponsors or uh, fundraising otherwise.
7: Yeah, so we have been very lucky actually. We were proud. um Next Venture who sponsor our premiership here in AFL Ireland and they've been fantastic support for us over the last two seasons. And Next Venture set up kind of opportunities for people who are considering going to Australia, they can help you out with visas or they can help you out with um say employment and, and things like that. What they just saw it was a, it was a great um a great fix for them or was it was a great kind of fit that they could tie in with Australian football in Ireland because we get people coming back or people going over. So we're delighted with that support. We also have Chemist Warehouse who would be um, a big brand over in Australia and they're breaking into the Irish market. So again, it was an easy an easy fit for them. Um, and look, that support is, is massive to us It means that less players or players have to put their hand in the pocket a bit less because we have the financial support. We always, also run fundraisers or we get, say, gear or paraphernalia for some of the Irish players over and over that we can auction off or we can give away national team jerseys or we get other sponsored kind of weekends away and things. That's the usual stuff, but it, it's fundraising and, and sponsorship mainly is what we, um, what we depend on. We, we're looking and hoping that we can uh, meet the criteria to get into Sport Ireland. I get some grants there, but that might be a, a year or two away. Yes, we're working on it, but uh, it's a slowly but surely building building that bridge, you know.
1: All part of the adventure ultimately, Owen, isn't it? Yeah, um, <laughs> Let's go back to grand final day as we finish up our conversation here. Before the two uh, grand finals, uh, we've got um, uh, an intro into the AFL for younger athletes that uh, starts at 11 on uh, Saturday morning. Talk us through this one and then you might uh, give us a bit of a preview of the two finals. I believe there's a bit of a cork flavour to both of them.
7: There is indeed. Um, I'd be quite happy to finish off on that note. Um, but yeah, but beforehand, what we're doing is there's a taser session for, like I said, Mount Mellick. We're very uh, happy and they're very generous to, to uh, give us the field. So we're running a taser session for their underage uh, boys and girls. I think it's their minor teams or maybe the under-17 teams. Just to give them a, an idea of what AFL and AFLW is about. The tackle is a little bit different. The ball is obviously very different. Uh, positioning is similar, but there are a few. Instead of having two midfields, we take six midfields. This kind of stuff, you know. So, um just giving them a flavour and an all around. This is how you kick, this is how you tackle, this is how you hand pass, or you can run 15 steps instead of four, and just, just getting people into it. and they might, they might take off, they might be the following year attending university. This is because I tried that once at home and mm. I might give it a go again. Um, so that, that's just kind of a plan. And look, there's taste the sessions we run all over the country. Uh, we run them, I know I've been to a couple in Cork, there's the same in Dublin, where some underage GA teams wanted one want to, or rugby teams. I want to try something different It'll be towards the end of the year and we arrive out with a few AFL footballers and run them through a few drills and everyone seems to, to enjoy it. So it's kind of a fun approach and a, a nice a nice in for, for us, you know. Um, the grand final day itself, it's, uh, so Cork men's blue-side lines, they've, they've topped the premiership. They've gone unbeaten for a year, um, which is normally in fairness to them. Yeah. And uh, they've secured a spot in the grand final. And then what we would call a prelim final, which is essentially a semi-final is this weekend where the South Dublin Swans are hosting the Belfast Redbacks? So that's actually on um, as a prelim final, as a semi final, and the winners of that will go on to meet the league of Lions in the men's final. Then the opposite way around, the Cork Vikings, the women, they've um, they've topped the, the women's ladder and they're also straight through the round final. But it's the Ulster Cookaburras, the, the names are all a bit of an Aussie team usually. <laughs> the Ulster Uh, they're hosting the uh, South Dublin Swans uh, are travelling up to them to play uh, in the preliminary final so we haven't got the final pairings yet but I can tell you any team that comes out of the preliminary final would have earned their spot to, to take on the, the Cork contingent in the final.
0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods in association with The Hearing Consultancy. With free hearing test clinics in Clara, Tillamoor, Kinnegad, Mullingar Dental Clinic, and now at Keen's Care Plus Pharmacy, Eden Derry, TheHearingConsultancy.ie. Midlands 103!
1: Now, I think most people have heard of SOSAD. Uh, there is a Leash Branch, and the Leash Branch is responsible not just for the Amore County, uh, but uh, also a number of counties besides in the Midlands. Awfully, Carlow and Kilkenny all serviced by those who uh, volunteer uh, at SOSAD Leash. Very glad to say that a volunteer and one of the founding members, Christy Bannon, uh, is on Health and Fitness this evening. Christy, has the form?
9: Not too bad, David. How was yourself?
1: Yeah, grand. Thanks very much. Uh, you had a big event this week, suitably, coinciding with uh, the Irish Open. Your golf classic at Portlaoise Golf Club got underway today. How was day one?
9: Uh, yeah, day one, very, very warm. <laughs> I think,
1: yeah, absolutely.
9: I think uh, You know, there was absolutely nobody complaining about being too cold today. Um, you know, a warm day. Thankfully, it'll be a little bit cooler tomorrow, and we have uh, a lot of guys who are probably agent that they weren't playing tomorrow. But we still have a few. We've I think there might be about fourteen or fifteen slots over the entire day left for tomorrow. Um, so it's 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 been very busy, very well supported. But then again, it is supporting, uh, you know, a a really good charity that's providing services here in the Midlands for the people in the locality.
1: Yeah, Um, let's get straight on to that and then we can kind of give out details about how people might be able to get involved tomorrow or indeed get involved with fundraising or to get in touch with uh, Leash So Sad. Um, What do you guys do specifically? Give us the about So Sad Leash um, blurb, as it were.
9: Okay, well, uh, so sad. It stands for Save Our Sons and Daughters. Um, it was, you know, it was founded um, uh, up in in Drogheda, but we opened in leash in around November twenty one, and we provide counselling and free counselling and support for anyone who's suffering from, let's say, uh, feeling suicidal or suicidal ideation, or self harm or depression, anxiety, stress, or if they just simply need to talk about something. We're there. you can reach out you can you can call in. you can phone the office. We have a twenty four hour helpline. We do um text services um from eight till twelve at night um we We we'll even provide counseling over Zoom if you're not living in the locality and it's it's all to help people because you know if there are people who need help and it's not in their locality and it wasn't in leash mm. um and now we're there to provide it
1: The service that you've outlined is brilliantly comprehensive for something that is accessible in the way that it is it must take a huge amount of commitment from So Sad Leash's volunteers uh, to keep that ball rolling and to make sure that uh, people are provided for and I imagine just to add on to that uh, Christy that when you get involved it's it's one of those things that is like a virtuous circle you get more and more motivated the more work you do with them
9: That's very very true you see, uh, first of all, we get no state funding, no HSE funding whatsoever. Mm. But we see people who are engaged with the HSE services because the counselling and the support that they need aren't there. They haven't got the capacity for, to provide them. And um, so, you know, we strive to make enough money to provide those services for free because not everybody has health insurance I can, can afford to go and see you Know a private counsellor or, or go to see uh, a you know to a, a private clinic and stuff, sure. But everybody's entitled to help, everybody is t- entitled to be happy to get out and enjoy themselves. And you know, if a few people can volunteer and help more people who then see the benefit of what we're doing and they help as well, as you said, it is not a bit of a vicious circle, it's a virtuous circle where. It, The more you do, the the better you feel yourself and the more you get out of it and you see how much of a need there is there still.
1: It just takes that step, doesn't it, into the unknown. And for many people who have maybe not volunteered before in the first place, uh, they they, they have an anxiety about what kind of effect it will have on their life generally. Uh, But a first step is usually a gentle step and you guys are probably pretty welcoming.
9: Oh, Absolutely. You know, if, if anybody wanted to get in touch regarding volunteer ranting, they could um, contact myself through uh, email at leash at, source at and we regularly put a call out. Um, you know, via social media and via the um, the. There's an internet volunteering system, and it I think it's managed by the, the I think it could be the council. It's one of the local authority groups anyway. They, they um, look after iVol. And people log on there and they say, look, well, I'm interested in X, Y, and Z. I'd like to volunteer. And they will contact you if, you're, if there's something going on that is you know part of your circle, your interest. They'll contact you and ask you if you want to volunteer. But with us, we've seen that anyone who does volunteer, they want to come along and do more. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we just finished, we spent the entire weekend volunteering at Electric Picnic. Okay, and we were manning. Yeah, we were manning there. They have a new initiative called the Air Hubs, and they were kind of a an information assistance area, and they were located in all of the campsites and inside in the arena as well. And like it was everything from you know I can't find my bag or I can't find my friends, hmm. or to, down to being nervous and worried. You know, where should we set up? Is it okay? Down to people who were were, were lost completely. Um, or had, you know, medical emergencies, may have taken something or may have drank too much, or whatever, you know, lost items and in a panic. And it's just, it's a calm and reassuring face who's there to show you, OK, listen, don't get panicked, don't get lost. Here's how you get there, pointing out all the stuff to them. And dealing with them and assisting the other, you know, services, um, especially getting, getting people over to medical services and stuff or if something has gone missing or they felt there might have been something stolen, they put point them in the right direction to get help. And it's small things like that. But even in doing that, we were able to promote our own charity yeah. and let people know that we are there. Because unfortunately, people don't get their news by reading the newspapers and stuff anymore. And if they're not watching a television program about it, or if they don't click and like on whatever subjects you're speaking about, they will not see it on the social media feed and, it, you know, if you're not going to see it, you're not going to know about it. Yeah. So we strive every day to try and get the word out there that there is help available. It's here in your locality. And even if you're not from Leash, we can do it online via Zoom and over the phone because we want to help.
1: Yeah, and a- I need
9: the volunteers who are giant so far. They, they always want to do more.
1: As you're saying there, Christy, it's important to get out to these events because, as you described, we live in a kind of economy of attention and, and social media and mass media. Uh, it's all very hard to cut through uh, to get your message across. Uh, the National Ploughing Championships are uh, coming up, uh, of course, in Rataneska in uh, leash uh, You guys are going to have a bit of presence there, am I right?
9: Oh, that is true. We will have a very, very large and handsome man who will be <laughs> MC... I'm, I'm blowing
1: my own trumpet there. Ah, okay, uh, I, I see.
9: At the, um, the Port West Welly Throwing Competition. Ah. So, you
0: know,
9: anybody who's willing, to, anybody who, who's picked up and thrown a Wellington boot in anger or in jest is welcome to come along. Sounds uh, therapeutic. it's a very popular stand. Is, oh, yes, Very. Um, as long as you're just throwing it at the flag or at <laughs> distance, don't try and throw it at anybody who's around the, the arena. But it's it's another opportunity to get our name out there and to let people know that we're there while you're having a bit of fun. Mm. Same as you know, we we ha- we'd have a walk each year from uh, dawn to dusk, where you know at any stage during the day you get out and you walk so many kilometres. Do it with your friends, uh, on your social media, then you're taking photographs and you're tagging the charity so people can see oh what's that you were doing and then they find out there's something there Uh, you know we try and get into the schools I I give talks in schools as well for SOSAD and for Cycle Against Suicide and once you know once the kids get out there and they hear about it they bring it home that's it kids at the the ploughing are going to want to come up and have a go they're going to get daddy to come up and have a go and while people are there they're going to see the posters the signs they're going to ask what it's about and we can explain Here are the services we provide. You might need it today. You might need it tomorrow. But, you know, someday in the future, maybe yourself, one of your friends, family, loved ones might need some help. Here is a phone number. Ring it.
1: Well, Christy, I, uh, I'm hoping that work actually fires me over to the welly throwing um, uh, to get a chance to meet you in a couple of weeks. Uh, but beyond that, well, um, we're just about out of time and I just ask if anyone fancies um, a round of golf uh, as part of a team uh, at the Leash Golf Club tomorrow in aid of So Sad, uh, how did they get a tee time? How did they get involved?
9: Well, if they want to, they can ring in the morning. Um, they can ring the golf club and it's 057-86- Six (laughs) one five five
1: seven. You've got a bit of canine
9: support on that one as well. Oh yes, oh yes, my I have to have a bodyguard at all times. Yes, he's he's about uh, six inches high, a little shit too, and he keeps me safe from all the adoring hordes of women who are coming after me to try and lick my look. We need these things, don't
1: we, Christy? Look, (laughs) I really appreciate you taking the time. The best luck with everything with So Sad Leash. The best luck with the Golf Classic Day Two tomorrow, and maybe we'll run into you at the ploughing.
9: Please go, David, we'll see you soon. Thanks very much and thank you to all your
0: listeners too.
1: That was Christy Cannon, one of the founding members of So Sad Leash. Next, we are going to learn about impaired vision swimming.
0: Health and fitness with David Hollywood in association with the Hearing Consultancy. Passionate about hearing and hearing health, we use the latest technologies to identify and analyse hearing issues and provide their solutions. Book a free test on the One O Three.
1: Rosie Keo is the Operations and Communications Coordinator with Vision Supports Ireland, and she's been telling Midlands 103's Chloe Farrell all about vision-impaired swimming.
10: Running um, vision-impaired swimming classes out of um, Leash Leisure in Port Leash. This is um, a few sets in, so we've had a couple of um, lessons already. Uh, We took a break for the summer, and then we're we're restarting in September. So there are four children between uh, six to seventeen years of age that are blind or visually impaired.
8: And how did you get involved with this yourself? Yeah, so um,
10: as I work for Vision Sports Ireland, we're the national governing body for people with uh, a vision impairment in Ireland. And so what we do, our role is to work with a lot of the local sports partnerships or the different national governing bodies throughout Ireland. Um, and we help facilitate people with a vision impairment to um, to uh, participate in a, any sport of their choice. Um, so in Port Leash, we're actually really lucky that Leash Sports Partnership are really, um, really proactive. And we have a couple of really good volunteers there as well. Um, and we have quite a few people with vision impairments um that are around the area across the Midlands. So um, I guess that's how, how we got involved was because we had the cohort of people that, that wanted to participate in swimming. Um, myself, uh, I, I joined Sports Ireland back in February um, and I look after swimming under, under my remit uh, in my role.
8: Is there a personal meaning or anything that drove your interest to get involved?
10: Yeah, so actually um, my background is in swimming myself, so um, I lived in Australia for quite a few years and I managed swimming pools over there, um, so swimming I guess is such a vital life skill uh, and as we're on an island in, in Ireland, um, it's really important for people to be able to to learn how to swim, um, particularly as we see in the hot weather um, and I guess someone with a vision impairment, you know, has barriers in their life already um, and being able to teach them a, a really important life skill, the same as riding a bike, uh, to me, swimming is, is the exact same. Um, I guess that's that's really important to me.
8: Do you think that by having these classes and these opportunities for those who are visually impaired, that it provides a sense of inclusion?
10: Absolutely. So, um, you know, sometimes when people come to our events, so we we run lots of different events, not just swimming, but we we run you know a number of different events. We we work with um, over 16 different national governing bodies as well as kind of one-off events that we run. And sometimes what we find is we have children that come to our programs or events and they might not have met another another child with a vision impairment or with the same vision impairment as themselves. So I guess it's given them that opportunity to have these conversations and have people understand what they're going through as well. Um, and and being able to have swimming lessons um, what we, what our, our instructors do is um, they audio describe the lessons to them. So if someone with a vision impairment was to go to a mainstream lesson, you know, somebody might say something like, they might point or they might say, go over there, um, which someone with a vision impairment may not be able to see what they're talking about. So um, having these specific vision impaired or, or blind classes uh, allows the participants to, I guess, really understand what's being spoken to them. Um, and the, the teachers are trained to audio describe so that they don't, you know, just point or say, go over there. Um, so so the, the, the kids can learn um, as well.
8: And what level of a visual impairment do the people involved have? Yeah, so I guess vision
10: impairment is a spectrum. Um, so it can be from no vision to Low vision or useful vision, so um I guess the, the big thing with a vision impairment is even somebody that may have the same type of vision impairment they may be able to see differently, so um, everyone you know no 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 two people with a vision impairment necessarily see the same things um, and someone that has no vision might still see see light or have some light perception and um, some you know people may be affected by the glare or the environment or. Um, I guess the the surroundings around them, um, so yeah it, it, I guess it, it 's really a spectrum, so it 's everything from someone with no vision all the way to to some usable vision, i suppose
8: and we'll focus on swimming then just because that 's what your background is. what mm-hmm. extra safety measures are needed then for the children that are involved? <laughs> I guess I don't know if there's any
10: necessarily extra safety measures other than making sure that the, um, it's really important uh, that the teachers and the swim instructors um, are trained so that they understand um, that the cohort that they're, you know, that they're teaching. Um, I guess it's important that they, that they make sure that they know, you know, the, the level of vision that they are teaching so that they can make adjustments as needed. Um, in terms of anything else, you know, it's, it's, it's like teaching any child to swim. It's making sure that you've got your risk assessment in place. It's knowing the depth of the water. It's, you know, all those all those things that come into play um, with anyone that you'd be teaching how to swim.
8: And what will they be learning? Is it starting from a beginner level or is there an advanced level available or what is it that they'll learn?
10: Yeah, absolutely. So we've got um, beginner all the way to advanced. So we've got beginners that um, take part in lessons in the toddler pool. So, you know, they might have never been in the water before or they're just getting used to, used to being in the water. All the way up to um, kids in the more advanced lessons who, you know, could be using uh, flippers and, and getting into the technical aspect of the stroke. Um, you know, we actually had one one child from last term who has now joined a club and is swimming in a mainstream club in in mina uh so i guess that's you know it's it's um accommodating all that spectrum of um kids that have never been in the water or um uh, you know might be fearful all the way up to, to children that want to learn technical and, and go on and like that swimming club or maybe go to competitive i guess it's it's trying to accommodate all of those
8: And if you're looking back to the likes of that child who is now swimming in a mainstream club, how does that make you feel? Like, I'm sure it's pretty rewarding, if anything. So what kind of sense does it allow you to have knowing that you're helping these?
10: Absolutely. It's, um, you know, that's one of the main reasons why we do what we do is seeing those outcomes and um, realising that you're making that impact on, on children and, and on people with vision impairments. Um, and I guess that's, that's really key as well is understanding how mainstream, how we can include kids into the mainstream so that um, they can progress as well. Um, and I guess it's about uh, the, the wider community understanding how they can incorporate children with a vision impairment into those mainstream classes. And a lot of times it might just be minor adjustments. And you can make those minor adjustments and those kids can participate fine in the mainstream classes. So it's also trying to find that balance between where we have specific vision impaired programs and events, uh, but also how we can incorporate mainstream to be more inclusive and um, to be able to to have those kids in their lessons.
8: And just my last question, then, if you could just give me a reminder of what events are going to be taking place over taking place in the Midlands for people and how they can get involved if there is anyone listening who it might benefit.
10: Yeah, absolutely. So actually we've got quite a few in, in Port Leash. We've kind of nearly set up a, a, a bit of a hub there. So we've got our vision impaired swimming that starts on Sunday. That's in Leash Leisure Centre in Port Leash. Uh, we're actually holding a come and try Friday uh, try for uh, vision impaired football in Port Leash on Sunday as well. Sunday's a busy day, and that's with Port Leash Football Club. Um, On Sunday also, we are out in Athlone uh, for uh, blind and vision-impaired tennis. So that's for adults and children. Uh, That's uh, being hosted by Athlone Tennis Club. Uh, And then we also, in Port Leash, we run a uh, monthly golf session uh, out of the heaps uh, golf course in Port Leach as well. So all of those events and more, um, everything that we run is uh, listed on our website, which is visionsports.ie. Um, and if there's any, any other sports, we're always open to, to providing more sports and to working with more local sports partnerships and, and I guess opening up those participation opportunities to, to wider networks and across the area. So
1: how cool is that that's Rosie Keo, Operations and Communications Coordinator with Vision Supports Ireland if this show is about participation and inclusion then uh, Vision Impaired Swimming is an absolute must when it comes to developing society in this country and across the Midlands thanks to Chloe Farrell thanks to Shannon Fogarty and Michael Cannon for all their help on this week's Health and Fitness I'll be back next week Joe Cooney is coming with Country Roads after the news